Welcome to the Haven Audio Podcast. This is Chad Wallenberg here with Corey Kirkland. Hey, Corey, how you doing? Great, Chad. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Have you had a good day? I've had a great day. Yeah. Already water skied, had worship service on, on my phone, looking ready to regular in-person church next week. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, for those of you listening, um, we're actually recording this on May 31st, so this is the last Sunday that our church, FBC Chickasha, did merely online services and um from now on we'll be doing um in-person services uh for those who feel comfortable coming and we're really excited about it it's been a heck of a season having to figure out how to just get in the zone and and worship uh through video and and all of that stuff hasn't it it has been yeah. i have at our house we've eaten popcorn during worship which is cool i wish we could have popcorn in regular church but I am really missing human interaction. There's yeah, just so too. many times you can Chromecast worship to your TV. So yeah, me too. I'm, I'm really extrovert. excited. My, uh, I'm an extrovert, and my social tank has been empty way too much during this quarantine. You know? Yeah, yeah. So. so next week's going to be a big deal, even though I'm going to be wearing a mask. Yeah. It's going to be worth it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And kind of in light of that, um, you've obviously already noticed if you found this and are listening to this right now, this format's a lot different than a lot of the Haven material that we've been putting out. Um, we decided to do this as a podcast, really, um, because we thought a lot of you who are listening to this might be about as tired of video uh, teaching as we are right now. We're kind of burnt out on it, and we thought it would be really neat to play with the format during the summer. Um, during the summer, we always do note cards. Um, Corey, typically, when we're able to meet in person, uh, We'll hand out note cards to the room and let everyone ask questions and present topics of discussion for him to cover throughout the summer semester. And this year, we went ahead and put in a form online, and we've had several people submit great topics. And what we really wanted to do was discuss those and play with our formatting a little bit. So we moved to a podcast format, um, which is what you're listening to now, and we thought that by doing that, we would give you a chance to maybe listen to it in a little bit different places. If you have a commute, you can listen to it in the car or if you're mowing the lawn or whatever you might be doing, it might be a little bit less um, demanding of your full visual attention uh, than video might be. And so we're excited about it and we really hope that you enjoy what we're doing. Also, I think that most of us just really miss conversation. And so we thought maybe having a conversation type of format uh, might kind of fill that niche a little bit in our life, that that longing for fellowship. So we thought, uh, Chad and I, we're as good of friends as you can be, and so uh, we thought maybe you wanted to hear a couple best friends sitting here talking. And so here we go. Let's jump right in. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So. Welcome aboard. All right. So our first note card session, the first topic we're covering is sexual immorality. We had several people ask about... Um, sexual uh, sin and and what the bible says about sex and that's really a common question for some our summer times isn't it sure this is the ninth summer that we've done the note card wednesday and all nine years the most common topic in the note cards is sex people have questions about sex which is it makes sense it's a big part of life um, that's always the most popular subject in the summer um Probably because you don't always get to ask anonymous questions about these type things. Yeah, so, absolutely. So uh, 
that's where we are this year. Uh, people ask questions like, one person just wrote the word sex. Um, someone else asked, how far can I go before I get married? Someone else asked, if I'm not married, can I cuddle with my boyfriend or girlfriend? Can we sleep in the same bed? I think is how it was worded. Yeah. So we're going to try to answer those questions in a biblical, practical, uh, reasonably quick way. Yeah. And really, we've got a lot of material there. The Bible has a lot to say about sex and both um, sexual immorality and the proper ordering for sexual practice because sex really is a good thing at the end of the day, isn't it? Well, it's a good thing at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day. Sex (laughs) is just a good thing. Um, It's a gift from God. There's a book called Song of Solomon in the Bible that is devoted entirely to romance and sex. And a lot of people try to treat that as a metaphor, and that's not wrong, but it's literally a book about love and and making love. And and sex is a good thing in God's context, but every good thing has rules. Yeah. Uh, We just talked about coming from the lake. I have a jet ski. I love it. It's a great thing. But if I go stick it in some river with a whole bunch of logs that I'm going to hit, it won't be a great thing very long. Yeah. Because you've got to have reasonable boundaries and rules. And yeah. the Bible lays out boundaries and rules for sex and specifically created marriage, which is such a wonderful thing. It's a picture of God's relationship with us. And so that's pretty high praise. Yeah. And so sex is a good thing, but there's rules. Yeah. Let's just start with a survey of kind of what the Bible says about sex, right? In sure. In the Old Testament, um, what does it say about sex? It, I know it doesn't really mention premarital sex much why is that well that's an interesting thing and i've heard people say well you know the old testament doesn't even talk about premarital sex and while that might be semantically accurate the hebrew culture is different than our culture in many different ways but the most clear way on this subject is the fact that their culture they had a betrothal process which is a ceremonial commitment what we would probably we always compare it to engagement but it's really more like the marriage ceremony Mm -hmm. just a long-term process but then you go from betrothal to married when you consummate the marriage when you have sex when two come together and become one flesh Mm -hmm. so there's not a concept of premarital sex because when you have sex you're married Mm -hmm. married and so then any sex with any other partner would be adultery. And so the Bible is clear that sex is meant to be between a husband and a wife, one man, one woman, forever. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important thing to understand. And so uh, it's very clear. I think also, back to harken back to the Song of Solomon thing, we talked about how the Bible dedicates a whole book to love and lovemaking and that stuff. It yeah. says in that book, and this is very important, in chapter 8, verse 4, do not awaken love until it so desires, mm-hmm. which is a very old, very archaic way of saying there's sometimes you don't need to focus on these things until you're ready. In Jewish yeah. culture, they didn't even let boys read the book of Song of Solomon until they were getting ready to be married because... Uh, you just don't need to focus on some things yeah. beforehand, and we'll talk about the reasons for that yeah. in, in a minute. Yeah, and I think um, I think the ESV in particular translates uh, Song of Solomon eight four as "Do not awaken love until it pleases," which is the same concept, right? Like mm-hmm. um, it, it harkens back to 
this idea that that sex is something that was created by God. It was created as a good thing, right? But like all good things, if you use them out of their proper context, you're going to have a bad time, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think we've all, at least, I mean, most of the guys that I've been around have tried to use a screwdriver as a hammer at one point in their life. And that is never satisfying, right? When you've got a, you got something you need to nail in, right? And you don't have a hammer handy and you use the handle of a screwdriver, it, it just never works the way you expect it to, right? One of the, the great failings of my life is when I'll be working on something and it will call for some particular tool that I don't own that costs $4.95, <laughs> I'll say, I can, I can twist a pair of pliers or I can make something like that out of a hand hammer or I can use a screwdriver, I can wedge it in. And then at three in the morning, I'm trying to find some place that's open to fix all the stuff that I broke. Then I eventually have to buy the tool that I needed and then I get done. Yeah. But I try to cut corners. And, yeah. and the, the right. Bible's pretty clear. Uh, love is something you don't cut corners with. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a gift great. and it's good, but we need to, to look at how the Lord intended that gift to be used, right? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the New Testament? Um, what does the New Testament have to say about sex? So, so the New Testament talks about sexual immorality, or your, your version of the Bible might say fornication. The word there in the Greek is porneo. That's where we get the word pornography. And that, interestingly, is, is a word that means to sell off. So it's this idea that you cheapen sex. Mm-hmm. You take this most valuable of gifts that God's given us, and you don't recognize its value. Yeah. It's very similar uh, to, to you guys and, and gals that, that come to Haven on a regular basis. You hear me say all the time that hamartano, the Greek word for sin, is literally not the bullseye. In anything that's not the bullseye for our life, not what God called us to do, is sin. In the same way, sexual immorality or fornication, it's broader than just premarital sex, premarital intercourse. It's anything that's not moral sex, anything that doesn't fit God's plan for our life. It's not about is there a loophole or not, or is there a technicality. It's is this marital, moral sex? Mm -hmm. If it's not, then that's that porneo uh, and and that's not okay. That's yeah. sexual immorality. And the Bible condemns that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just because of the nature of how we're wired, I feel like um, sex is one of those sins that it's really easy for us to try to get as close to the fire without getting burned as possible. Right. Um, temptation yes. is very real and it is very easy to try to find those loopholes. But really, um, we can apply this to any sort of temptation we might have. But we really have to focus on the spirit of what the Bible is telling us, as well as the 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 letter of the things that the Bible tells us to do or to avoid doing. Right? Absolutely. In fact, it tells us in Second Corinthians uh, chapter three, verse six, that God calls us not to the letter of the law, but to the spirit. Mm-hmm. That the new covenant is one of spirit and not of letter, and that gives us freedom but it's our calling and so god calls us to go above and beyond yeah and this is going to sound sunday school but i promise stick with us and we'll give you some actual practical things to think through and kind of rules to live by but but let me be theological and let me give you a sunday sunday school answer for just a second because jesus says 
the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. All of it, 100%. Run towards Jesus. And this idea, how far can I get away with, is really like, how much can I deviate from running towards Jesus and still eventually get there? Yeah. Which misses the whole point. And that's yeah. not what God calls us to do. And really, relationships in general are about running to Jesus and finding someone who can be a teammate with you and help you run to Jesus. Yeah. Not that you have to go out of the way for them or they have to go out of the way for you, but each of you pick each other up when you fall down. Each of you help you travel because there are lots of road trips that it's safer for two people to travel than one. Yeah. When two are better than one because when one falls down, the other's there to pick him up. Yeah. That's what a godly relationship is all about. And so we want to help your partner, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, wherever you are, along life's journey, you want to help them get to Jesus, and you want them to help you get to Jesus. And so it's really not a what can I get away with type of thing, as it is a what glorifies God type of thing. And I know that sounds Sunday school, but stick with us. We'll get more practical. Well, I think that that illustration of a road trip is a great one. I've never heard that before, but I'm envisioning two people in a car facing the same direction with the same goal in mind, right? Absolutely. when When we get in the truck to go ski in, in the wintertime, like we love to do, right? We mm-hmm. are sitting in a truck facing the same direction with whoever else is going with us, and we have the same thing in our mind. And it mm-hmm. it permeates our discussion, right? We'll talk about all sorts of things, but it's all in the context of we're about to be skiing, right? And, um, you know, in the same way, marriage is a lot like a road trip through, the, through, a, through life, which is a um, wonderful and scary and fun and uh it's a wonderful road and it has all sorts of twists and turns and all of those things but the goal right being more like jesus um should permeate all parts of that relationship right and that doesn't mean that you can't have other things that you enjoy or have other hobbies that you like to do together or separately or whatever but the foundation of that road trip, the foundation of what you're talking about in that road trip is your goal, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that illustration. It's great. And these questions, these how far can I get away with type things really cover about half of what we need to talk about today because the Bible is clear that we can have sexual immorality issues. Mm -hmm. We can have, in other words, not moral sex issues that are physical in nature, like what you do with your partner with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or whoever, and those things don't glorify God. But there's also mental. There's sins of the heart. And Jesus talked specifically about that when he said, I tell you the truth, if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Yeah. And he raises the bar and says, back to that spirit of the law thing, he wants our hearts. He wants us to pursue him with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, Mm -hmm. and not focus, not plot, on what else we can get away with. It says in the book of Micah uh, that the the prophet calls out uh, Israelites and he says, you lay in your bed and you plot evil things. Yeah. And so oftentimes we plan, well, I could get away with this or I could get away with that. And God calls us to pursue him with our heart and not to plot evil things, not to think, well, I want to get away with this or or I, I can I can look at this or I can I can think about this. 
that's not where what he calls us to go. Yeah. He calls us to seek him. So yeah. we have really two things that when we're talking about sexual immorality, we talk about physical issues and mental issues, issues mm-hmm. of the heart. Mm-hmm. And both of those things are laid out clearly. I mentioned the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, if you go back to the Ten Commandments, that Tenth Commandment says don't covet. Specifically, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Yeah. The idea that you look at somebody and you dwell on making them your own physically. Yeah. Uh, this concept of lust is that's adultery of the heart. Yeah. And in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, that's condemned. Yeah. And that was that that at its heart was really the first sin that David committed in the in the famous story of David and Bathsheba, right? Like David didn't begin by committing adultery with Bathsheba physically. He began by looking on Bathsheba and desiring her with his heart. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, that led to not just sexual sin issues, but violent sin issues and a loss of fellowship with God. And what happens is you can't serve two masters. Mm-hmm. And so when we start looking at someone else in that desirous and that covetous, lustful way, all of a sudden we're serving a different master and we are literally uh, plotting and scheming, as, yeah. as it talks about in Micah. Yeah, and really our issues of the heart, um, sins of the heart and physical sin is so connected, but oftentimes we can use one to excuse the other or vice versa, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, Cause it's possible to not put yourself in situations where you might sin with another person. Right. But it's impossible to completely banish that idea from your mind. And, and it's when we talk about lust, lust doesn't mean noticing someone's attractive. Mm-hmm. You're always going to be able to notice people being attractive. There are descriptions of people being attractive in the Bible. We talked yeah. about David, David is specifically designed, uh, described as ruddy and handsome. Yeah. He had a good tan, and he was good-looking. Yeah. And the Bible points that out to us. And there's nothing wrong with noticing someone's good-looking. What happens is when we covet with our eyes and we, we think on, I would like to take further steps. Yeah. And that's what's not okay. It's that covetousness. Yeah. And so um, that's a great point, Chad. Um, so what do you think? Can we get the practical stuff now? Yeah, absolutely. So, Corey, what? How can we apply this practically to our lives, right? How how should we go about thinking about this when we're in the real world? Because we aren't in a Sunday school class most hours of the week, right? There, sure. There are patterns of thinking and patterns of behavior and things like that that we all need to apply to the truth that we see in the Scripture in the Old and New Testaments. Where do you want, Where do you think that we should start? Absolutely. Um, now, the first thing I think pretty much any analysis of is this okay and this not okay always needs to start with Colossians 2.21 in my analysis. And Colossians 2.21 tells us that the rules of man have an appearance of wisdom, but they have no value. In other words, when we start making rules, I make Corey's rules or Chad makes Chad's rules, those might sound cool, Mm -hmm. but they're not Scripture. So we need to delineate between what God said and what we say. So the things that we're going to talk about next are some applications of Scripture, but they're not Scripture. So you can disagree with us on how we apply these, but you can't disagree with us on the Scriptures that we laid out earlier 
because those things are what God said. Yeah. So Corey, what you're saying is that I don't have to memorize I kiss dating goodbye. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> By the right. way, I never read that book. <laughs> Me neither. I read an outline and was like, nope, no, I can't handle that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what, okay. So what, what are some of, what's some of the groundwork here? What, where, I, where are our practical applications? I think there are some questions that you can ask yourself personally. And we talked about how this all comes down to the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. And the convictions of the heart. Yeah. And so the answers for is this okay for you might be a little different than is this okay for me. Yeah. Because we have to analyze those things. And we also need to realize that anytime you're dating somebody, hopefully you find them attractive. Yeah. There's two biblical reasons to date somebody, and we can talk about that at the end. But the number one is to find a spouse, and the number two is to become a person that will be a good spouse someday. In other words, let that person help you be more like the man or woman that God's called you to be. Mm-hmm. And so clearly you want people that be a potential spouse. And yeah. marriage is about having sex with one person the rest of your life. Only one. So pick somebody you want to have sex with. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of joking a little bit in the way I say it, but being attractive, finding someone attractive, that's important. And so it's okay if you say, man, this is, this, this is difficult. Uh, this person's really attractive. It's supposed to be, but it's worth it. Yeah. And it's worth taking those steps. And so the first question I want to ask you is this. Number one, anything that replaces moral sex is going to be sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. Because by definition, it's sex that's not moral sex. Yeah. So things that give you gratification another way. Go ahead. Yeah. And so... So how would how do we define moral sex? I think we've been we've been camping out around that, and really we mm-hmm. talked in principle about that when we talked about mm-hmm. the scriptures. But do you think that you could just boil down a really good, just easy, um, a really good principled statement of what moral sex generally is? Well, Jesus said to come together and become one flesh. Yeah. And I think that's a great, uh, just uh, one man and one woman. And uh, we talked about Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is pretty clear. Sex is a fun thing, and there's Mm -hmm. lots of different things that you can enjoy with each other that are awesome, and God blesses. Um, And so I used to actually make the statement, anything between a husband and a wife and just them is okay moral sex. But I think there's some caveats that in today's world— Certainly, if you're bringing in another person or if you're bringing in pornography or things that don't honor God or some type of some type of some type of a fantasy thing that would bring in lusting after other people or plotting and scheming like we talked about, that's not okay. So anything that doesn't bring in this porneo stuff, Mm -hmm. this not not in the marriage bed stuff, I think is biblically fair game. Um, and there's some people that might argue with me, but I would say turn to Song of Solomon and we're not going to get there, but it's yeah. super graphic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I would, I would add to that and, um, just let me know if, uh, if I'm off the mark here, but I would add to that, um, moral sex is, is sex that builds you and your partner up. Yes, absolutely. Right? Um, absolutely. it is something that is done for the other. 
right? Absolutely. In fact, one thing uh, I was kind of laughing at when we talked about the masks, Mm -hmm. uh, people wearing masks, and the idea that you wear a mask during this COVID thing is about protecting other people. Yes. If you wear a mask, particularly a cloth mask, it does very little to protect you, Mm -hmm. but does very much to protect everyone you encounter. So you wear a mask for someone else, and they wear a mask for you, and then everybody's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's the way biblical sex works. Yes. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Mm-hmm. So you do everything you can to bless them. Wives, you submit to your, your husband as he leads in Christ. So you do everything you can to help him. And together, what you have is a godly sexual relationship that glorifies God and pleases each other. Each so that's other. a great example. Right. Yeah, each for the sake of the other. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, okay, so so now kind of arriving at, at that kind of definition, kind of discussing through um, that and seeing kind of what moral sex looks like, you know, anything that detracts from that is sexual yeah. sin. So like if you try to find some loophole and say, hey, we can do this thing together and that will satisfy those same desires and that will give the same kind of pleasure, but it's not it's not technical intercourse then we're okay. Well, that's not okay. Yeah. Because really the Bible says to honor the spirit of the law. Yeah, and, and really, um, ultimately, if you believe the Bible, that is a s- selfish act, right? It is. The, the Bible says that it's best for, for both parties involved to enjoy sexual relationships within the bounds that God has put on us. And when we give in to the temptation to rush that or to find loopholes in that we ultimately aren't looking for the best for us but we aren't looking for the best for our partner either absolutely which which brings us to the next two things so number one is anything that i would call a loophole right loopholes are just not acceptable Mm -hmm. number two anything that hinders your walk anything that keeps you from being close to god now that might be because you're convicted because you just know in your spirit, the Holy Spirit has told you this is not okay. And it might be an idolatry issue. It might be it might be not even a physical thing, just spending all your time with that person yeah. instead of glorifying God or spending all your money on that person yeah. or, or paying so much attention to holding their hand during church that you don't hear the sermon. Yeah. Anything that changes your priorities or hinders your walk whether that's through conviction or idolatry, distraction, yeah. that's not okay, which yeah. is the second thing. And the third thing goes with it, like like Chad mentioned, and that's anything that hinders your partner's walk, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, anything that keeps them from being close to God because you know they're convicted about this thing. They don't have any spirit of freedom about this thing. Or you know you're making them stumble mm-hmm. through distraction and idolatry and placing priorities in the wrong way. So any of those things, we know that's not okay. Yeah. So any loophole, anything that makes you struggle, whether through conviction or priorities, and anything makes the other person struggle through convictions or priorities, that's okay. Not mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what about you know one of our questions? One of the one of the note cards that was entered digitally for us was what about um, cuddling in bed with a boyfriend or girlfriend or I, it might have been worded sleeping in the same bed, right? With mm-hmm. the implication that sex isn't happening, right? Like let's let's apply 
these principles that we've kind of explored together, let's apply it to that specific question since some we got. What do you think about that? Well, it's hard to know exactly because we talked about the difference in God's law and our law. However, if it's not a problem to sleep in the same bed, it might be a problem in some other way because maybe you're not attracted to that person. Because most of us, if you're attracted to to somebody that you find attractive and you're in bed with them, it's going to be tempting for your hands to roam to places they shouldn't go. And if your hands don't roam, then your head will. Um, to be thinking, how can I go and how not? And so most mm-hmm. of the time, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. I also think if it is, if there's nothing there at all, yeah. then maybe you're not attracted to that person yeah. and you, you worry some other way because that should be difficult. Yeah. It really should. Yeah. Um, and I can't speak for anyone else and I'm not, not condemning people, but I think if you go through those three steps... Um, I, I would be surprised if you didn't decide that that was an activity that wasn't yeah. glorifying God. Yeah, like even if um, there's not somewhere in Scripture that we can quote and say the letter of the law says do not, you know, cuddle with another person in that context, it's almost definitely unwise and almost definitely in most situations kind of goes against the spirit of the law there. If there, you know, at the very least, do you really want to sit there and stare at a steak that you're not allowed to eat? Yeah, right. Right? You just get hungrier. Yeah. In other words, do not awaken love until it desires. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly back to that song of Solomon 8.4 that we started the conversation with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what if we messed up, right? What if yeah. What if we've given in to that temptation? Hey, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and every one of us have messed up. And probably most of us have messed up along these lines somewhere. I mean, maybe we crossed a line, maybe we didn't, but it's not about a line Mm -hmm. because it's about the spirit of the law, not the letter. And so we've all made mistakes. And it reminds me, I love the story in Exodus chapter 33, and we could do a whole podcast on Exodus 33, a long one. But after Israel has sinned against God, they've... uh, so much so they've committed so much an idolatry worshiping someone else that God says, you know what, get your act straight or just find, just go away. I'm done with you. Someone else will be my people. Yeah. And Moses repents and he says, please forgive us. And God does. And Moses says, well, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. And God says, honor me, comma, today. Mm-hmm. Honor me today. And so if you're a Christian and God has forgiven you of your sins and he's made you a new creation, but you've messed up, where do you go from here? You honor God today. The next day, the next night, you honor God with that and you grow and you become a bigger, better person. Mm -hmm. I tell my son all the time, when we fall down, we get back up. Yeah. That's it. That's life. When you fall down, you get back up. Yeah. And the book of Joel, Again, awesome book, awesome story. We could go back in there. But a great passage from the end of that book is God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I love that quote. God, in other words, Israel sinned. We don't even know what sin they committed. Mm-hmm. But the consequences of that sin was all their harvest, all their food that they had put up got eaten by locusts. Yeah. And God says, I can put it back. And God can make you a new creation and wash you as white as snow. And that is not just something that is said. That's true. 
because God is God and he can do that. And he can restore the years that the locusts have eaten in your life. You can have forgiveness and you can have newness of life. Yeah. Isn't All that, you gotta do is ask. Yeah, and isn't that just a glorious truth about the gospel, right? Like, I feel like we need to take a minute here and just point out that that is the gospel, right? This mm-hmm. isn't just something that God's promise to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. God's um, God's command to us or encouragement to us to honor him today, right? None of that is limited to sexual sin. That's the gospel, right? That is what Jesus bought and paid for by coming and living the life that he lived and by dying the death he died on the cross and by defeating death. Yeah, we could have the same conversation we had today on this podcast about our finances. Yeah. Might not be as interesting, but we could apply all these same spiritual principles. In fact, those same three questions. Does it cause us to stumble? Does it change our priorities? Does it make us uh, commit idolatry? Mm -hmm. What about other people? Do we make other people stumble? Are we finding a loophole? Are we trying to find some way to get around using our finances the way God said? Those questions apply to that as well. Mm -hmm. And they apply to friendships and and everything else because it's all about glorifying God. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever Mm -hmm. you do, glorify God. And what's great about that verse is it's clear. If you're single... Glorify God with your love life. Yeah. If you're married, glorify God with your love life. Yeah. That includes, if you're single or, or, or married for that matter, the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Right? You glorify God wherever you are. Yeah. In whatever circumstance, we praise Him. Yeah. And He's worth it. Yeah. And, and, and in some ways, I'm sure for a lot of our listeners, since it's safe to assume the majority of our listeners aren't married yet, right? Yeah. Um, I think that it, it's got to be very refreshing for some of them to hear that sexual sin while the the conse- the worldly consequences of those sins may not match up with some other sins that we might commit or etc sexual sin is we can look at it's something sexual sin is something that we can look at in the same way as any other sin absolutely it's and- not the great white whale of temptation even though it feels like that sometimes absolutely and i mean the bible's clear sexual sin is different in that Mm -hmm. and i think we need to say that because when we sin we sin against our own body yeah so it hurts us and when we're sexually immoral immoral sexually immoral sorry about that when we're sexually immoral it does hurt us it hurts our soul Mm -hmm. it hurts our heart Mm -hmm. but it's big but jesus is bigger yes and he's so much bigger it doesn't matter yes because he's bigger Yes. And the last thing I want us to say is all this stuff is worth the wait Mm -hmm. because God has the plan and it's a glorious, awesome plan. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for it. I'm very thankful for my wife um, and the life that we have together. And I promise you, I promise you, it's worth it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, you know, that's all we have for today, Corey. And, uh, I just want to thank you for sitting down with me. Um, I want to thank you, the listener, for for hanging out with us for what's been um, a little over half an hour, and and I hope that this was helpful to you. Um, we'll be releasing these every week, and we'll be um, scheduling a Zoom call every week. We will put the time for that Zoom call in our post where where we share this podcast, and 
uh, we just want to, um, our goal with this is to give you something that is most likely to positively impact your life. Awesome. Yes. So, um, just one little quick thing logistically, if you want to pursue this topic a little further, I wrote a little book. It's, I believe, a seven-day Bible study. The idea is you take a look every day called Two Questions. The idea is those two questions are who can I date and what can we do? And the idea is to establish a theological foundation of what Christian dating looks like before you start dating. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to take a look at that, the PDF for that little book, that Bible study, is actually on the Facebook Haven group page. Mm-hmm. And we'll so. link to that on the post that this podcast was shared on. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, we miss you guys. We look forward to seeing you in person, but for the time being, we'll be praying for you, and we can't wait to meet back in person and just celebrate uh, the fact that we get to be together again. We miss you guys so much. We do. See you soon. Talk to you soon. <laughs>